Hello and welcome to this Q&A episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I'm on my own again. Sorry about that. Although I was told off for saying sorry and Emily was like, you're enough on your own. I was like, I really needed to hear that today. Thanks. The reason for this is actually that it's a Friday night and I didn't want to subject the coaches to having to record on a Friday night. Whereas <laughs> I actually don't mind and have no social life and um, this is the only time I could fit in. But... In fact, not but, and I am very excited about the quality of questions, which are always amazing. But anyway, I'm going to get into them. Here's the first one. These are from the Commit to Six group, which, by the way, is now open. If you want to join the next intake, you can go over to esgfitness.co.uk forward slash commit to six. I'll also put that in the show notes. Oh, gosh, I am such a professional. I'm even using my microphone today probably sounds exactly the same. Okay, I am moving house, oh sorry, I'm moving, (laughs) that's not what it says, I'm moving about the house wise at the moment, so taking a pair, I'm moving about, oh sorry, I'm moving about house wise at the moment, oh okay, right, sorry, (laughs) wow this has started well, She's moving about as in she's moving to different houses. Okay, I get it. So she's taking a pair of four kilogram dumbbells with me um, to do my workouts with. It's plenty for upper body, but not for lower, but I still use them. This is temporary. Is it okay because I'm moving my body? I've really, um, I'm really struggling to get workouts in as I'm helping my daughter out with her new baby and grandson. I try to sneak my steps in with lots of walks and pushing the pram. Is it going to be optimal for training legs with four kilogram dumbbells? No. Is it unbelievably better than doing nothing? A hundred percent yes. And there are actually quite a few things you can do to make the workouts harder. So things like doing, say you were doing squats with four kilogram dumbbells, right? Christine, you're a machine and that's not going to be heavy enough. But if you do slow eccentric squats, as in slowing the lower part as you're lowering, so three seconds down, and then maybe a three second hold at the bottom and then come up, oh, that's going to burn. Or you can do pulses. So a couple of pulses at the bottom and then back up again. Um, That will certainly give you a good leg workout. Now, it's not the same stimulus, but it's so much better than doing nothing. So... Yes, there's a point in doing it. And when you say like, is it okay? Because I'm moving my body, like, yeah, it's absolutely okay. And you're, you know, imperfect action, right? You're doing the best you can in the situation you're in. I am very proud of you. And that is exactly the ethos of how we coach. So well done. And what an amazing grandma and grandma <laughs> and mother that you are helping your lovely daughter. So there you go, win-win. Very much acting in line with your values, I would say which is always what we want on Commit to Six. Okay, Michelle. Is a weight spike and change in mood generally feel angry at myself, feel deflated, and the feel of need to change everything mood normal when you ovulate? (laughs) I've noticed this a few times, sorry, a few months now, and although I see a spike and I guess it's down to this, and usually lasts a couple of days, I'm interested to know if there's any science to back it or if it's a story I've created. Um yes there is I mean science we know that fluctuating hormones will impact your mood this is why it's so hard when you're premenstrual potentially 
and and I mean it can happen at other uh, stages of your cycle or if you're menopausal basically at any time if you've got fluctuating levels of hormones um you get this increase in weight which coincides with a reduction in mood now that's a very hard um combination especially if you're quite attached to scale weight right so I am sure most women will resonate with this that everything is annoying the week before your period or a few days before your period or for different women at different times of the month but there's definitely a hormonal impact on like your mood your motivation how much you find just very simple things very annoying right you're probably not your most rational self right someone will I don't know say they're going to take the bins out and then not take the bins out and you'll be like I can't believe they'd be so selfish and then like realistically normal you would be like oh that's okay I'll just do it myself but because you're in that mood it seems like such a bigger deal the same is true with weight right you might see the weight fluctuate at some point in the month and be like huh I can completely rationalize that that's normal and I ate a little bit more yesterday and it's probably food volume fine and at other times of the month you might think I can't believe I'm putting in so much effort to this and I'm not getting the results that I wanted and I can't believe that I've put on all the weight that I lost over the last two weeks and you can't see it rationally so I think observing that behavior and it's great actually that you've noticed that that happens a few times a month and just being like okay these feelings are real and I am annoyed but I also know that this is the time of the month where (laughs) I'm least rational I'm quite moody and I'm not you know feelings aren't always reality so I guess just question that which is where the journal comes in and it sounds like you have kind of noticed that within yourself so I guess when when people ask me like is it normal I'm like does it happen to you yes okay cool does it matter if it's normal or not not really right and, and it is quite a common thing anyway okay Zoe tips on how to manage mindset when you have something planned and it changes out of your control as an example last night I planned calories around Nando's and cinema snacks but it wasn't open when we got there so we ended up at a Thai place oh what an absolute dream you thought you were going to have a dry Nando's and you ended up at a Thai place anyway she says it didn't fill me up although I chose wisely um then as a result I ate all the popcorn and went over my calories okay I think I would pause a little bit more or try to pause. I'd also like cinema snacks are a hard one because you're distracted by the movie and you're not really mindfully eating. That might be something that you actively, I was going to say actively avoid, but you're just like a little bit more cautious of like, I'm probably going to mindlessly eat if I eat in front of the TV or if I eat at the cinema. So I just like that situation is where you're more likely to overeat. So account for that whether that's being like I'm gonna have this amount and again that's hard with popcorn because sometimes you're sharing it and it's a big box you're like huh how much have I had I don't really know I'll just keep eating it um but in regards to like how to manage things if things change you're always trying to do the best you can in the situation you're in right so the only thing that really really like went quote-unquote wrong here or that you can learn from here is maybe the mindless eating of the popcorn and I mean, Thai food over Nando's every day, but then also that is my favourite food. So maybe it's that. Um, And also know that you can sit with hunger a little bit. The likelihood is you probably weren't that hungry, but you're a bit distracted and you're not like, 
yeah, I guess back to like, you're not being mindful about those choices. Um, But I don't think you necessarily did anything wrong in this situation. And I think so much of life is about being adaptable to change. Like things will never go exactly the way that you expected. And the Darwin quote I love is something along the lines of, it's not, I can't remember it now. It's not the most successful that survive or it's not the most, the strongest that survive. It's the most adaptable to change, right? Like that's, that's the most important part. Can you make the best out of the situation you're in? And that's always, I like to see that as a bit of a challenge kind of throughout life. Um, Dawn, will you be discussing the exciting experiment you mentioned for the next round of Commit to Six or shall we have a guessing game? You're going to have to have a guessing game. Um, I can't, I can't release the details yet, uh, but I'm quite excited about it. I hope that it will help a lot of people and it's just a slightly different approach, which I think is going to get people better results. I've also, it's not like this has been a new thing for me, but I'm just more and more aware that really fat loss, body composition, lifestyle, health, all these goals are far more to do with behavior change than they are to do with nutrition, right? Actually, I can teach you the the nutrition side pretty quickly. I can give you a workout plan, um, like nutrition principles to follow that are suited to you that that's the easy part right it's actually the coaching you to stick to that long term that's the harder part most people actually do know how to lose weight they they might have they might be confused by certain messages and like that's why we do the podcast so we can discuss these things and clarify things and reassure people but really it's the behavior change aspect so I'm hoping that's what I'm gonna be able to tackle a little bit better for the next round okay Kelly um I'm wondering if you have any advice on how to stay focused after some initial success I've just completed my first round of commit to six and I've lost five pounds which is so exciting but now I've had a bit of success I feel my mind turning to oh more restriction in my brain I feel like fewer calories equals more weight loss and I want more of the success that I've already achieved how can I alter my mindset to remember that balance is more important than speed? Um, oh God, I keep closing it. I'm scared of over-restricting, but I'm also scared of stagnating now that I've had a taste of success. Okay, the biggest problem here is that you are attributing success to weight loss. And you know you, you can then only get smaller and smaller and smaller, right? And there's only so small that you can get before that becomes a negative thing. Equally, you'll find that those first five pounds are the easiest to lose and then your weight loss is going to slow, right? Whereas you have less body fat to lose as you become a smaller person, you have less weight to lose and that's going to slow down. So if you always attribute your success to five pounds of weight loss in six weeks or whatever rate of weight loss you're looking at, then you're going to be pretty pissed off pretty quickly and that probably will lead lead to over-restriction which we don't want, right? So I would look at other things like how's your performance? How are you feeling? How's your concentration? What incredible nutrients are you putting in your body that you know are going to benefit your health? Like look at the other benefits of doing these things. Like even things like your consistency. Wow, I've managed to do my morning routine almost every day for six weeks. Like I had one day off because I wasn't well. That's freaking amazing. Like how many push-ups is that? I don't know, like hundreds. How many days are in... Right, let me get my calculator out. This is quite bad that I have to do this. 
also great on the podcast, right? Six times seven, 42 times 100. I don't know why I had to do that part. Oh, wait, no, because you're not doing 100, you're doing 10. Right, that's 420 odd push-ups. That's pretty freaking awesome if you're doing a 10 a day. But if you're doing three rounds, that's 420 times three, which is 1,260. Say what? That's pretty amazing. Anyway, start getting excited about other things because weight loss being a goal like might work at the start when you have a lot of fat to lose. It quite quickly becomes a negative thing and you don't want to tie all of your success to scale weight. Actually, it would be quite healthy to have some performance goals as well. And I know that like a lot of health markers and how you feel don't seem very tangible. So it's harder to have them as goals, but they're actually the most important goals. Okay, next question. When I go to the gym, I mix up the workouts from the app, e.g. full body, then upper and lower one week, and then the next week, a different full body and push and pull. Hmm. I don't love this. Um, maybe one week there is a home workout in there too. Is this the kind of variety helpful for building muscle, or would I be better sticking to the same three workouts each week for, say, a couple of months before changing anything? Asking out of curiosity more than anything else, I feel like the variety of different... I like the variety of different workouts, but curious to know your thoughts or if it really matters. Thanks. So I think you're on committed. So you actually have a couple of different workouts. I don't mind you adding in home workouts, like if you can't get to the gym, but I don't want you to mix up the gym workouts because they're programmed to hit your full body in the way and with the volume that I want for each muscle group. If you're doing like some of I don't know the the new blocks committed workouts but some of the old blocks committed workouts then actually you won't hit your full body in the way that I want you to hit your full body over the course of the week so I would prefer that you stick to the same ones it's not the end of the world and you'll still get results but that would be my preference um Emily, I was listening to the EC Method podcast the other day and Chloe said that everyone should be doing some cardio in their workouts. I train four times a week in the gym. My workouts last an hour and I don't really have time or the inclination to spend another 20 minutes doing cardio. I also can't get to the gym more than I already do. I do five minutes of interval rowing if I have time, but not always. I do uh, 12,000 steps a day, but not with any intensity. So do I need to be doing any cardio and why? Um, if we don't exercise for fat loss, oh sorry, and why if we don't exercise fat loss? I used to run regularly, but my knee injury has stopped me doing that. Okay, so all forms of exercise have different um, adaptations on the body. So if you're looking for more cardiovascular adaptations, then actually doing cardio will be beneficial. So if, as an example, if you wanted to increase your VO2 or something. Now, there's actually quite a lot of arguments kind of for and against this usually like you know as a well-rounded view you'd kind of be like well you know if you want to get all the benefits of exercise then probably mix up a little bit and have some cardio in there but if you're getting your steps in and your resistance training hard and I would maybe try and make a bit more effort to make sure you are getting the interval rowing in because things like interval training has a huge impact on vo2 max right which is a big predictor of health so you don't have to be going for 30 minute runs and things to improve your card improve your cardiovascular fitness. You can get that from doing interval training and HIIT training. Um, and also I think people forget that you really do use your heart and lungs when you're doing resistance training. 
like you have to still pump using your heart pump muscle uh, blood to your working muscles and then clear the waste products right so you are putting a slightly different tax on your muscles and on your body so it will adapt in a slightly different way but a lot of the health benefits that you get from resistance training you'll also get from sorry that you get from cardio you'll also get from resistance training um do I think it would probably be good to have a bit of cardio in your program yes but I think people think it's a little bit too blanket like exercise is on a continuum so if you've got one side of the continuum as like strength training where mostly you're going to have strength adaptations and the other side you've got um like long cardio where you're mostly going to have cardio most of our type of like resistance training is kind of somewhere in the middle maybe more skewed towards the strength side but then like interval training would be more skewed slightly towards the cardio side and you're kind of getting a lot of the benefits of both by doing that but it's not quite as black and white as what some people say like you need to do cardio to be cardiovascularly fit and you need to do resistance training to be um strong like there will be um crossover effects between both and it really depends on what your goals are and I guess your preferences as well so maybe for you I'd be like okay let's add in let's make sure that the the interval rowing does happen or depending on rowing's a hard one as well because I think I've said this numerous times but I don't think I've ever met anyone who's not a rower who can row with good form on a rowing machine And I say that as someone who was like, (laughs) I'm a personal trainer. I know how to use the rowing machine. That was when I started rowing. I remember my flatmate at uni was a rower. And he was like, yeah, you'll need to learn how to use the erg. So the rowing machine. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I actually have my level three personal training certificate. So (laughs) kind of a big deal. And I already know how to use the rowing machine. Well, I was definitely rowing with very bad form, as is the vast majority of people, and genuinely never met anyone using it correctly with good form who doesn't row. Like, it's kind of like a tell. If you can see someone in the gym that is rowing properly on the rowing machine, 100%, they went to some private school and they row. And that was very judgmental, but realistically, probably true. Um, So maybe not rowing, but things like um, intervals on the bike, where you know there's less risk of injury would probably be a very good thing to do and you don't have to do a lot to get a big health benefit from it this is why HIIT training is so well researched especially in things like cardiovascular disease and risk of cardiovascular disease type 2 diabetes they you see that there's an increase in insulin sensitivity from just two bouts of max out sprints on the bike two 10 second sprints on the bike will increase your insulin sensitivity that is absolutely wild so when people are like oh I don't have time to exercise like what you're telling me you don't have like with a bit of a cool like warm-up and cool down literally probably three minutes you don't have that to do 10 seconds of max out exercise twice you do you absolutely have time so it's not it's not a time issue I think it's more the thought process around like oh well if I can't go to the gym for an hour or I can't do this full Les Mills class or whatever then there's no point doing it I'm like there's absolutely a point doing it if I think if that's if there's one thing that I leave in the fitness industry it's that it's like there's always a point doing a 10 minute workout 
yesterday I got to the gym this was just really poor time management by me and I realized I had to leave in 15 minutes and I was like okay I'll do something and what was quite interesting is I was like I actually got most of what I wanted to do done in that 15 minutes it's probably like Parkinson's law right of the longer you have the longer you will allow your workout to take and the more that you'll faff around um and if you are doing short sharp workouts because say one day you do and you have 15 minutes it's actually quite useful to do things like full body so I think I did um pull-ups straight into lunges straight into press-ups straight into hanging leg raises straight into overhead press right so you can kind of see that while one part of my body is working the other part is resting oh and I also did some burpees which is the first time I've done them since back surgery so we'll see over the next few days how much uh, my body liked that but I didn't do very many so I think we should be should be okay but I kind of want to minimize impact anyway always worth doing and I got four rounds of that and I thought meh I could have faffed around in the gym and only done that anyway but it would have taken me 45 minutes so moral of the story um back to your question which has nothing to do with what I was talking about (laughs) shockingly is do the short workout and also Emily maybe include a little bit of HIIT training as well HIIT training is mad like the health benefits especially to people that don't do much exercise like you are pushing yourself so far out of your comfort zone if you will or your homeostatic range if you're a scientist that your body has to adapt to that I think that's the coolest thing about HIIT training or actually what they call in the research sit training so sprint interval training HIIT training actually is normally like one minute on one minute off type intervals which really isn't that like intense um and actually not that time efficient which is one of the big like proponents of HIIT training is like oh it's so much more time efficient but when you add in recovery periods and warm up and warm down and you're doing one minute on one minute off I'm like please it's not that time efficient but the the research around sit training which is like really intense short bouts is so fascinating so there you go if you want to look that up oh, who was it what's his name oh, I can't remember oh Vollard Niels Vollard his research very very interesting okay Zoe Grant um how often should we be changing workouts also is it better to up the weights and do less reps or keep the weights lower and do more reps um and then this is that and then um Marietta I think it is who asked the last question basically similar to this says she was wondering this too I like mixing things up but maybe I'm mixing up too much yeah you probably are you're way better sticking to the same workouts consistently for a period of time so that you can see progression on them than changing them all the time when you get a new set of workouts what you'll probably find is the first week you're just trying to figure out where everything is how much weight you can lift for those rep ranges how that works in the gym that you're at if you can superset that you know you're kind of just figuring stuff out so you don't push yourself that hard second week you can start to progress the the load third week you're really into it fourth week you can really push it and normally on the fourth week I tried to think of like can I do two more so when you're talking about increasing reps normally I'll set like a rep range um which means you kind of want to stay within that 
And I'd always say increase, you know, lift as heavy as you can for the given reps with good form. So if you can lift it with good form, cool, then increase. Um, And then what I like to do on normally like the fourth or fifth week is be like, can I do two more reps? Like have I, because normally you get to a point where like, oh yeah, I always lift, I don't know, 10 kilograms for this exercise. And then when you realize, oh, I could actually do two more reps on that. Maybe you're not lifting quite heavy enough. Or maybe you could push yourself that little bit more. And I think this is one thing that maybe we don't emphasize quite enough is really pushing your lifting too close to failure. That's where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. That's where you're really going to start to get results because you're recruiting more of that muscle fiber and you're creating a bigger stimulus. Probably why those, again, those like sprint interval training um, protocols do so well because you're really pushing your body to an extreme. And remember that exercise is is a stimulus that's basically like um, putting a stress on your body and then your body's like, well... We want to be able to deal with that stress next time it happens. We better adapt to that. Now, if you're only putting a bit of stress on it, it's not going to adapt half as much as if you're really putting more stress on it, basically. Okay, another question from one of Ruth's one-to-ones. I have a great relationship with my 25-year-old daughter who has suffered from an eating disorder and has now got a healthy relationship with food, but who is slightly overweight due to ditching food guilt. She and I share a passion for baking and baking is our love language. My problem slash dilemma is how to behave around her without compromising my own health goals or triggering her. She knows me well and my weakness around baked goods and previous attempts to over-restrict. Although she doesn't live at home anymore, she brings delicious home-baked goods that she made when visiting. I don't want to mess up her own progress. This is such a hard question. Because I was going to say can you just sit down and have a conversation with her? But equally, I think that could be quite triggering for her. And, and then I'm like, well, you know, to, to an extent, like, that's like, you know, people are allowed to have their own goals. And if other people's goals trigger you, like, maybe that's something you should deal with yourself. And if she has a good relationship with food, then maybe that won't trigger her. I guess it depends in the way you say it. If you're like, I'm trying to only have one baked good a week and I'm gonna you know it's like I'm gonna really look forward to it and I'd love to share it with you rather than I'm trying to be quote-unquote good and I'm not having baked goods and don't bring them in the house that might be an approach um sometimes I do think telling people is good because it kind of holds you to account as well if you're like I'm only having or I'm choosing to have one really delicious baked good a week because I enjoy it even more when I do that and I sit down and I really savour it. Um, and then you're probably not going to eat two because you've told her that you haven't won, you know. You've kind of like put your goal out there so you have to stick to it. It is a hard one um, and you'll know your daughter better than me but I think that like a lot of things can be triggering if you've previously had an eating disorder um so you know someone else saying oh you know uh I'm dieting or I'm not I'm not going to eat the baked goods as often or something like that could be quite triggering for her because then it could be like well maybe I shouldn't eat them as often so you have to be quite careful I'm sorry that I don't have an exact answer I really wish I did but I also think it's quite an individual thing and a personal thing like for some people that might be completely fine to be like I'm just having it once a week 
for other people they might then really question themselves um in which case you might just want to have one and then say that you're full up like you you know I think with a lot of these things it's like you don't have to make as big a deal out of it um especially with being offered food just like oh that was amazing but I'm actually full now like are you sure you don't want another one and I get this like my dad is the biggest feeder he will offer me food like five or six times even when I've been like oh I'm actually really full now that was amazing but I only needed one massive portion he gave me shockingly um but he'll just keep pushing it which again is his love language right and I think once you realize that you're like okay well actually this is less about the food and it's more about the time that we're together and the baking process with your daughter is actually less about the food and more about the process and the time that you spend together and the making something lovely so I guess remembering that okay um next question one more if I'm wanting to do progressive overload is there a scale of ways to do this that starts easier and gets harder as in adding weight doing an extra set or more reps in a set or reducing the rest time between sets so reducing the rest time will probably often reduce volume anyway um what's a good way to start I feel I'm ready to move up from five kilograms which I use for much of my workout and just wanted to ask your thoughts sorry if this is silly silly or obvious question it's not silly or obvious in the slightest now if you're training at the gym I would say lift as heavy as you can for the given reps if for example you're training at home sorry as heavy as you can with excellent form for the given reps if you're training at home and you're like, oh, I, I only have a, say, five kilogram dumbbell, then you might want to think about either increasing the rep ranges or adding another set. So it kind of depends. Like my go-to would be keep the sets and reps the same, increase the weight that you're lifting. If you don't have access to that, then potentially adding a set or adding a couple of reps okay emily fruit and veg i know that variety is key but are vegetables better than fruits i know some crazies on the internet tell you that fruit is bad because of the sugar but obviously that's rubbish however is it better to prioritize vegetables over fruit or does it not matter good question um what i will say is that vegetables tend to be lower in calories so i i think i normally have about like Nah, actually, it's probably quite even. I probably have like three or four veg a day and then three or four fruit. I really wouldn't overthink it. Like, this is the kind of thing, it's like, it literally is the minutia. It does not matter in the slightest. I've never met a client who has been eating too much fruit and that's been the problem. Like, it it's, just doesn't happen. Um. Okay, another one. How do you know if you have ge- a genuinely bad relationship with food or have disordered eating. For example, there have been occasions when I can overeat by thousands of calories. Feels a bit like a binge, but I wouldn't say that I have binge eating disorder. There are times when I feel rubbish, guilty even, when I've eaten slash drunk, not in line with my goals, but surely everyone has this from time to time. Doesn't necessarily mean I have a poor relationship with food. I track my calories and have done for a very long time, but it keeps me on track and accountable. Some people say this is disordered. When is it too much? A very good question. So like broadly, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, when it's too much as if it's negatively um, impacting your life. Now, what's hard about that is when something feels safe, 
i.e. tracking calories, you can very easily convince yourself that it isn't negatively impacting your life. But So you have to be quite self-aware and you have to be open to questioning yourself. Like You might be like, I don't mind tracking calories, it's totally fine. But then if you're freaking out when you end up going for a tie over a Nando's, like, that probably is negatively impacting your life. So maybe, like, coming away from tracking, or if you're freaking out that, I don't know, your phone ran out of batteries and you can't track your food, or you've lost internet connection or something, like, how would you feel in those situations? And if you're that tied to it, I would probably question it. Now, if you're like, nah, it just keeps me on track, but actually, you know, if if my fitness pal went down for a day... I wouldn't massively freak out. I think I remember that happened a few years ago and it was a really good, um, a kind of like wake up call for a lot of people, I think. Like, I think if that, if you're like, oh my God, I don't know if I can actually eat today because I can't track it in an app. That's a, that's probably a problem. Probably a problem is a problem, I would say. Um, Re-binge eating disorder, there is like a specific criteria for this. Um, and, and part of it is the complete loss of control around food. I also think there's a certain amount of times a month that you have to binge in order to meet the criteria, which seems quite random. But again, I would say, you know, if you're struggling with that, then that is something to work on and to reach out for help for. And I think the same with any kind of like mental health, like, you know, on the spectrum of mental illness is like if it's negatively affecting you then do something about it. Like you only have one life. You don't have to live it trapped by tracking everything on MyFitnessPal or trapped by um, the guilt that you feel around food. Like you can do the work on that stuff and you can go and get therapy and you can journal on these things and you can question these things. But it does take quite a lot of self-awareness. And I think probably the underlying thing, because sometimes these actions aren't inherently disordered, right? Some people might say tracking calories is disordered. And you could argue for and against that. In my opinion, the distinguishing difference is what's your intent behind it? If you're like, I'm tracking calories, I could take it or leave it, but it's useful to me and it allows me to stay accountable and I wouldn't freak out if I couldn't track, but I actually kind of want to, because this is helping me reach my goal, fine. If the intent behind it is different, or you would really stress if you couldn't, and you don't feel like you can eat food if you don't know how many calories are in it, then I would say that that's a pretty poor relationship with food. And the same is true with exercise, right? Some people might say, going to the gym six days a week is disordered. And other people, and, and yeah, if you're telling yourself, do you know what, if I don't go to the gym six days a week, I don't deserve to eat breakfast, then that probably is quite disordered, right? And you beat yourself up if you miss a gym session. But if you're like, I really like going to the gym six days a week, I enjoy it, and it makes me feel great, and I don't feel like I have to go, I feel like I want to go, the intent behind it is very different. I think that's really what makes it disordered or not, or restrictive or not. But again, just my opinion. Okay, these were freaking awesome questions. Thank you so much for them. If you've listened to this and you thought, what great questions and I'd really like to join Commit to Six, then head over to esgfitness.co.uk forward slash commit to six and sign up. And if you're not sure if it's right for you, fill in the application form and I will email you personally. 
oh and finally if you've enjoyed this episode and you want to share it with a friend please do it makes such a big difference and I hope you have a lovely day